Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's guest is Jeff Slater. Jeff is one of the world's leading social forecasters, an international best-selling author, international speaker, philanthropist, thought leader, and social entrepreneur. He has influenced the lives of millions and he's the global leading thought leader for top executives, CEOs, businesses, and change makers. So I'm pretty, pretty excited to have him on the show as someone who's worked with over 3 million people in 12 countries. I imagine he has a lot to share. So today's episode is going to be focused on self-awareness and leadership. And I just want to give you a great, great welcome to the show because I know the listeners will be excited to, to hear what you have to say, Jeff. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, it's a pleasure to talk about such an important su- subject of self-awareness for any entrepreneur. So. Oh, well, no, no. I, you know, before we get into into that, because you're right, self awareness is a key thing for any entrepreneur, especially in today's world. How did you become uh, such a leading expert in in all this? Yeah, you know, this is very, very high tech stuff here. Yeah, well, I I made a lot of mistakes, and I would say I made more mistakes than most people are willing to make in a short period of time. And so, I did my best to learn from those mistakes. Still make mistakes today. And I think I, I developed a different relationship to mistakes where most people see them as uh, failures and I tend to see them as just feedback. Mm, yeah. And there were mistakes. I was just talking with a few friends of mine yesterday and it was funny. It was half of them had interesting responses to the mistakes they've made. One half was, I'm, you know, this mistake just proved that I'm not good enough. And then the other was like, there's got to be something better. And it sounds like you're on the ladder where you basically turned your mistakes into opportunities. And I'm interested to see if you could talk about some of those biggest mistakes you made and how you identified opportunities in those ones. Sure, of course. Uh, well, I mean, where do I begin? Oh, start from uh, the very beginning. <laughs> no, I, we got time. <laughs> the um, I, I, the biggest one of the biggest mistakes I made is I I I thought I was successful when I was worth it. You know, when I made over a million dollars, and I thought that I had made it. And really, because I thought I was successful and I was actually on my way down and I wasn't paying attention to 
to continuing to stretch myself and grow myself. And, and I thought that I couldn't do anything wrong. Uh, and I was younger. I was in my was 26 or so, 27. And, and I literally thought that I was untouchable because I hit a point of so much success for my age that I, I didn't keep my eye on the ball. I thought I'd made it. And then what happened was, was, uh, was I, I ended up losing a lot of money and, and that was a big mistake. That was, that was something I would ask of my other entrepreneurs out there as they develop more self-awareness with themselves. If you think, if you're in this place of you've made it and, and you stop keeping your eye on the ball, then ultimately be careful. Right, right, right. So you get to that point. Let's talk about that business first. What was that business that made you your first millions? Uh, it was a real estate business and I was consulting in real estate. So I was, making consulting fees. I was brokering deals. I was um, investing. Mm -hmm. And the one that lost money was a very large uh, de development project I was doing. And and that's how it happened. So it was pretty, you know, it, it brought me to my knees really. And, and one of the things I also learned in that moment was, uh, was that, you know, I, I was like Tony Robbins says, he says, you can lose your dream, but you might get your destiny. And so what happened was, is, is as it fell apart, I was forced to go to my, into myself and and ask myself, what do I really love? I mean, I liked real estate; it was okay, mm. but it wasn't something I was like absolutely thrilled about. And what I really love is the study of ontology and the study of a human being and the study of what makes us tick. And what I had been studying in the background of my real estate was was you know was personal development and self awareness and leadership and and business and at those aspects. And so it forced me to to really ask myself how could I get ask myself a question how could I get paid to do more of what I love all the time and uh, and then what happened was I was I got invited to speak a couple times and then train and coach and and then over the years this business built up and then and then what happened was all, all these opportunities because I put myself out there business opportunities and boardroom opportunities present themselves and that's what happens when you put yourself out, out there doing something that you love is tends to be people tend to respond to it hmm. no I, I think it's so interesting what you're saying when you say people tend to respond to it once you start to do what you love because a lot of people um, fall into the trap and they have a, a limiting belief where they feel like doing what they love is gonna make them broke and if it's gonna make them broke that's gonna take away from resources that they can you know use to provide for their family so in that sense they hold themselves back because they don't want them to have to go through that difficult time you had your difficult period, which might not have been by choice, but it sort of woke you up to actually question yeah. yourself introspectively to say, hey, I can't keep doing this. What is it that I love and how can I develop that? And then you continue to develop leadership and self-awareness and fulfillment. But as you explored this path, how did you come across other you know, people in your areas and, and help them out? Because how did you break them out of the shells? <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I was asking before I sneeze. Yeah, how, well, how did you break them out of the shell? No, no, it's okay, it's okay. I was the how I broke people out of their shells. I had to break myself out of my shell first. And I think as as if anyone in this space that wants to coach or consult or train or speak or doing that stuff, our first client is ourselves, and and that's our first client. So I had to realize where. And I continue, I continue asking the questions, where am I blocked? What am I afraid to say that I, that, that I have fears of blocks to, to share about? What, what are my, uh, what are my weaknesses? And how do I actually, instead of trying to solve what my weaknesses are, where most people do is they try and figure out their weaknesses and get better at their weaknesses, get better at their weaknesses. I, 
like to look at my strengths and then expand and amplify my strengths. And then, and then I don't really pay attention to as much of my weaknesses. Uh, I try and hire the people, hire the people that, uh, can, that are good at, and really good at my weaknesses. And then ultimately I stop blaming myself for having weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's really, really good. And so well, let's, let's go into how you started to seek advice from all these executives. So the Les Browns and the Bob Brockters and the Frank Kearns, what was the one thing that you found that they all shared that you can, you know, that you can share with us, the audience? It, they all, every single person that, that whether I was on stage with them or not, um, you know, speaking and training or rather reading their books, what I noticed was that there was a trend of, of self-awareness that they had developed and they too were really, really good at a few things and probably not so good at many others. And whereas school and our mainstream indoctrination system seem to have us working on being better at things that were, don't come natural to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so, for example, they just good. Like, here's a, a quick story I'll share about Frank Kern, um, who's the highest paid internet operator, direct response copyright in the world. Really good guy. And I met him in the back, backstage at a conference in Nevada. And well, Frank loves to surf and I like to surf. So we went for a surf and I asked him, um, I said, Frank, uh, what is the, what's the reason you got to be such a good copywriter? You know, how'd you get to be such a good direct response copywriter? And he, he actually said, well, I was a, I didn't want to speak with people. So at that much. And so now later on in life, Frank obviously got over that fear. But, uh, but what happened was he forced himself to be a good copywriter to write good copy. So he didn't need to talk with a lot of people. And then what he did is that made him become very good at that. And then later as he, be, he kind of reached the echelon of that, he then looked at his fears of, of speaking publicly and talking with people. And then he began to work his way through that. And then he expanded his business by not only being a direct copywriter, but also putting himself out there on videos and other things. And, and that's one of the things that he shared is that he was willing to be self-aware around that so that he is industry. Yeah, no, no, I, I love that. I love that. And one of the, I guess one of the reasons that I, I do love talking to people like yourself who have actually lived a lot of the experiences that they're talking about, it's, you know, you, you've come across a lot of different types of people. And I'm wondering if you look at the world right now, you know, whether it's with the politics, whether it's with the divisiveness, whether it's with what's going on in different parts of the world, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum. Do you, are you hopeful or are you pessimistic or do you feel like there's a there's a way uh, we, we can fix a lot of these? I've come to realize that that it's a, there's an alchemy taking place. And I used to really be kind of frustrated with the way the world was, you know, our our institutions are the fact that we're on the, always seem to be on the brink of a war or something. And, and the fact that people are so, a lot of times people are very, their attentions on what separates us versus what unifies us. And I used to be a little bit upset about it, but I realized that that's my own upsetness at myself and my own shadows inside of myself that I haven't dealt with yet. And, and to forgive those parts of myself and, and that didn't need forgiveness in the first place and realize that, that I have to honor and love those shadow sides of myself, uh, as just as much as I love the other sides of myself. And I guess you could say as a cheesy way is the shadow needs love too. And through that, through that, then I don't so, so much put my attention on what's not working and I'm able to put my attention on, 
uh, how everything's doing exactly as it should be. And then I have more attention to go inward into myself and to appreciate the parts of myself that I may have not been appreciating, um, the, that I appreciate the least. And then that seems to be the freedom actually is to love the parts of ourselves that we love the least. And then from there, we're able to look out at the world. And instead of seeing a world of where everything's wrong, I tend to, I start to see a world where things are actually everything, everything exactly where it should be. And then from there, there's this kind of alchemy taking place. I'm noticed just taking on is right now we're seeing so many opportunities to move forward in life and to challenge the status quo. I mean, you know, when the shadow starts to reveal itself, you can actually shed light to the shadow. And so what's happening is, is we're seeing all these, the corruption and, and the, and the famine and the things that we can have an opportunity to change. Mm. And through that alchemy, I think what will happen is, is, is we will alchemize this shadow and then we'll have a, a completely different world, a world that works. And it's the, it's the entrepreneurs out there. This is why exactly why I teach self-awareness and leadership to high-performing entrepreneurs and its direct application to that is because is because they seem to be the ones that are the highest leverage point. When you can influence a high-performing entrepreneur, they make things that change the world and they lead companies that truly change the world. And uh, that's really important to me. No, I, I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading on you and I've heard you say, you know, starting a business is, is a little like pushing a stop train. You know, when the rest of the world thinks that you're nuts. Yeah, for, it is. Yeah, yeah, when the rest of the world thinks that you're nuts for busting your butt, then, you know, this one test will, um, you know, help you get the right thing. But the other thing that you talk about, which is sort of related to what we just um, mentioned, is you have a simple method for helping people to figure out their inflection point. You know, to get out of, out of that soul crushing yeah. job. What is that method? Well, when when I say inflection point, it means like wherever they're at. So, so for example, the first step to moving forward in life is to appreciate the present state of where it actually is. It doesn't mean like pretending like we're anywhere other than we actually are. The degree we appreciate the present state in our life is the degree we actually get the desired state of what we want in our life. And what does appreciate means? It means it means to actually see where you're at. A lot of people in entrepreneurism are are trying to be somewhere that they're not instead of just actually reflecting and going, look, right now, this is where I'm at. And if you're frustrated in your job, just you're frustrated in your job. You don't need to pretend like you're not. You're frustrated in your job. You're sick of it. You want to change and you want to do something about it. Let that, let that fuel propel you to doing something about it. If your company's at a certain inflection point where you want to go from 5 million to 10 million, and then you got to look at that you get, the only place to go is yourself as a leader. Often what I see with corporations and companies is that is that the CEO is the problem. It's not the management. It's the CEO. And the CEO of the company has to be willing to self-reflect and become self-aware and realize that they are the glass ceiling to the company until they can take responsibility for that their company's not at the level that they want to and their company doesn't move. I've had companies bring me in and say, can you fix my middle management? I said, not without working with your CEO. And and then the CEO goes, no, my middle management is a problem. And that's a clear indication that the CEO is not willing to do the inner work. And then what happens is they hire uh, people that are reflective of that. And when we when the CEOs are willing to become self-aware and to lead with empathy, then they build an inspiring team and they hire and then they attract more inspiring leaders around them and emerging leaders. And then their company develops more engagement and with that increased engagement comes higher profits yeah yeah it's a it's a funny thing right when you when you create that connection 
and and establish that common ground with someone else. It's funny how people work for you uh, without you having to actually tell them because they believe that you want the best for them. Yes, absolutely. And I I developed a about a, a five step model to increase self awareness. And the first one, which you're hitting on, which is be in the now, is the most important thing. And and when we're in the now, we have to realize that we potentially as entrepreneurs, we don't want to be so clever. We've lost our wisdom. And so be open to learning. And that's why people like you that do these shows where you're able to connect with an audience and the people are able to challenge things. And sometimes we're too clever and we know too much to learn something new. And so to be in the now, we have to be willing to be humble at the same with our, with our wisdom and set our cleverness and our wisdom and set our cleverness and how smart we are aside so we can develop our wisdom. And then, and that's the first step to being in the now is to, is to set aside almost everything we've learned to learn something new. Yep, 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 yep. What about the other steps? Uh, the other one would be this, this one I call birds sing. And this is a weird one, <laughs> but I call it birds sing because, yeah, because entrepreneurs out there, we're so focused on achievement and we're driven but to achieve. And ultimately, most achievement, um, is derived from an insecurity and 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 that's where achievements usually driven is they I know for myself is I made money early on because I didn't feel good about myself I didn't feel like I was worth it as a human being I didn't feel like um, I was significant enough just by being myself and so what I did is I tried to make a lot of money so that I increased my net worth thinking that when I increased my net worth um, that that I would actually uh, be somebody. And and then when I realized that once I made that money, I wasn't any happier, then I went to the biggest stages in the world and thought that I could make a big, big, big difference in the world. And I thought when I finally did that, then I'd be somebody. Um, and then I realized that that's the same stuff as before. Uh, it, is nothing externally is going to make me any happier uh, than the way I am right now. And so instead of deriving our need to achieve from from insecurities, we have to admit that potentially the best question to ask yourself is, do you lie to yourself? And if someone says, no, I don't, they're probably not ready to grow at the level that they're committed to to grow their companies. And so I had to admit that I was lying to myself about um, about me wanting to achieve. And, and I had to ask myself, what's beyond achievement? So let's say I, I achieve all that. You know, and I did, and I did achieve that. And, and, and what's beyond that? And what's beyond that is enjoying this moment. And, and, and then instead of listening to my personality for what my personality wants in life, which is what the mainstream fed to me, which was, uh, that when I get a white, uh, a white picket fence and a nice house and a nice car, that I'd be happy. I asked myself, is that really true? Is mainstream culture really have our best interest in mind? And then, I, then what I did is, and I went back to really more the original premise of what it is to be a human being. And I realized that what I really enjoy is, you know, surfing, um, time with my family and my friends, good conversations and, you know, and, and working with people that are willing to change and willing to transform their lives. And, and I also like ancient, ancient, um, wisdom. And I love that stuff. I think it's, incredible i think there's a lot to learn from the peoples in the jungles and other in, uh, indigenous tribes that uh, things of that nature and that's really what i love and then and then how do i share that with the world in the most authentic way possible and bring it into the companies um, and then what i discovered was that i don't need as much as i think and at the same time i feel more inspired to share a message and to build companies that come from my heart versus 
come from my personality because this world has taught me taught, teaches us to engage in personality versus from the heart and the longest journey it takes is to take the journey from the head to the heart and so when i say birds sing because they sing what i mean by that is that you i used to think i had to have to have a reason for doing what i'm doing like i had to have a why and all this self help stuff out there which is great there's a lot of stuff that needs i think the self help industry needs a little bit of help and what I mean by that is that, first of all, the word self-help comes from the presupposition that we all need help. When in fact, when none of us need help, what we want is support. The word. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Help is as if somebody's going to be better than you and know more than you. Um, and then you're going to know less and then they're going to lift you up like there's a hierarchy system. When in fact, support is I happen to have learned some things. And just like on this podcast, I don't know, you know, there are things I'm going to share with people. They can take it or leave it, but I don't have all the answers and neither, no one in this world has all the answers. And it's a continuous mystery to uncover. And so as I humbled myself to that, I, I to go beyond achievement, what I discovered within myself was that I have no reason for doing what I do, just like birds don't have a reason for singing. They right. sing because it's their, because it's their natural um, state. They sing because they sing. I do this because I do it. And that allows me to go beyond achievement. So I guess find our songs. Yeah. Find your songs, be present. And I know you have three more. So if they wanted to, I mean, I don't know if you have yeah. enough, I don't know if you have enough time to share, but. Um, if you could just give a high le- high level overview of those three, and then I'll direct them to your website to get the sure. Rest. Yeah, for sure. Of course, the next is be true to you, uh, and and the next one after that is sell sell yourself on you. You know, there's this whole thing about fake it till you make it. Yeah, and I think I think and and uh, the the thing is is actually I want to honor Gary Vanderchuk on this. He said it so well. Um, he said. He said, you know, fake it till you make it. It's okay to fake it to yourself that, and believe in yourself, but don't fake it out there. So fake it, to, fake it to yourself and be so confident in yourself. If you can't sell yourself on you, then how can you sell others on what you have to do? So then the next step after that is gain clarity. And, and when we gain clarity, we're able to first admit to ourselves that we're not clear. And, and, and the way to gain clarity is to Usually, you know the, we know the problems as entrepreneurs. We know what the problems are and we know the answers to the problems. But that's, but we pretend like we don't know the answers. Just like when someone says, I don't know, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what I'm here for. They do know what they're here for. They're just afraid to admit it to themselves. And, 
And when they say, I'm not clear, I'm not clear, actually they're just crystal clear, but they don't want to face the answers. So facing the answers is what takes courage. Yeah. And that's that, that's that last step. Wow. Wow. I love it. I especially love that clarity part because, you know, this is just going to lead to my next question is a lot of times when we have done all the work, we realize what we're good at. We realize that we can actually make an impact and we write a blog and all that. And we feel like, okay, this is our mission. Some of us get scared to actually present and execute our messages, whether that's going in front of stages or reaching out to people. What are our tips that you have for us to develop our personal brand and actually execute it in a good way? I mean, you're someone that's spoken in front of thousands and you've reached millions of people. And I imagine you must have been nervous one of those times when you were going on stage and sharing with all these um, fellow other great entrepreneurs. But how do you get yourself to that point where you're connecting with the right people to help amplify your message? And then when you get to that place, how do you actually deliver on that message without choking on stage? Well, I still get, first thing is, is I still get scared and nervous and, and anyone who says they don't, I think that they might have be losing their edge. And so, so instead of running from my fear, I tend to embrace the fear a little more and actually, actually ride out that fear. Fear doesn't need to stop me from doing what I love and it doesn't need to, to stop me in my tracks where it seems to stop a lot of other people. And so for me within myself, when I get nervous, the best tip to do is to actually on a stage in front of anybody or in front of thousands of people is to actually to take a few breaths because what happens is is the neurology in the brain when there's a lack of breath gets nervous and checks out and the lack of breathing codes into the neurology of the human that there's a problem and so when you're on a stage take a few breaths and then from that moment the brain codes it in as it's okay you're going to live and then you relax and then you relax and you get more oxygen into your body. And then when you get more oxygen into your body, you become more resourceful. You think a little clearer. So that's the first step. The third, the second step would be when we're on a stage is actually to walk, to walk amongst the stage or amongst the audience. Because when we walk, we, we actually are moving our, our neurons in our brain because we're walking. And when we freeze, we aren't thinking with a flow. And so, when when on stage, walk a little bit and talk. And then the other one is there's a thing called a three-second rule on a stage is try and make eye contact with everyone in the room for three seconds. And one, two, three, then move. One, two, three. Because when you connect with one person, you connect them with the whole audience. So, But that doesn't work when you're in front of 5,000 people. So what you do is you try and make eye contact with one person in a section of the audience. So those are some couple tips after that uh, I do share with executives and CEOs when they have to present and also in some of my courses as well. Yeah, no, I, I love the walking part and you're right about the nerves. People always ask me, do you get nervous? And I and you seem confident on stage and I'm always like, I am freaking out before every time and no one ever seems to believe me, but I, it, it's something that I feel like you can harness, right, into the right energy. And I don't want that energy to ever go away because then I think that would mean I'm being complacent. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I always rationalize that. It makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I think I think it's interesting. The, the walk-in for sure, and then I haven't tried that section thing. Maybe it's something I need to I need to do more because you know I, I always try to improve. So make you know making that eye contact with each section could probably establish more of a connection, uh, and that would be good. It, it it really it does. I and. 
And also, when you connect with one person, the whole audience feels it. And the last tip um, that is some of these people listening might be speaking to thousands. And, and it was a mistake I made when I was in my first gig in front of a couple thousand people was I thought I had to be really big, you know, because it was a big room. And so I was being big, but I wasn't really in myself as much as I wanted to be. And so, and then I later talked to a, a, a guy that had a lot of experience. And what he said is when you're in front of a big room, you actually go into pillow talk. Like you're talking next to your partner on a pillow and it brings them in versus you trying to expand and be big. So the bigger the stage, the big, the more pillow talk we do. Oh, so when you say big, you mean loud, right? Yeah, like I was trying to be loud uh, and kind of like fill up the room or something because it was yeah. a big room. Yeah. And really, I was just freaking nervous. <laughs> but really, what 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 I should have done was actually done more pillow talk. You know, like pull pull it in, and it's a technique. It's well, it's a technique, but it's authentic. You know, it's like just talk like you're next to your your partner on yeah. a pillow. Pillow in a pillow talk. It's funny. Do you think speakers like um, like Gary Vee and Les Brown, who are louder naturally, do you think that that that's something that they do yes. in bigger rooms? Because you know, I love Les. Uh, I listen to a lot of um, you know, um, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, is a ha I, the hip hop preacher? I forget his name. Ah, anyways, he he's very very loud. <laughs> it, it it commands respect. Yes, yes. But I'm wondering, in your experience studying all these motivational speakers, there are some that do the pillow talk. Then, do you think that those louder speakers should calm down, uh, come down to the pillow talk level when they're doing that, or they should do what's natural to them? I think I really feel they should do what's natural to them. Obviously, I think that's most important is to be themselves. And you know, one of the things I, I respect about Gary is he is himself. He's whether he's, uh, you know, he good or bad. He just says, "This is me. Take it, leave it." And that that's that in a world where so many people are trying to be anything other than themselves. Uh, I think that I, I have massive respect for that. And but if he did. I'm not like this is, I have no place to give you know Gary advice on public <laughs> speaking. I mean it's not my place. I'm just saying that that um, that for myself is I noticed that that when I created more range in my tonality and and it, it tended to keep people's attention. And when someone's operating at the same range the whole time, yeah. uh, then what tends to happen is is there's no inflection points in their voice tone, and it doesn't create attention. And the, if we were to reverse engineer and the, uh, what charisma actually is, is charisma is a range, and so is is range. And so, like Bruce Lee says, we've got to be like water. Be like and water. and and so, if you can't, if you can only be loud and you can't be soft, then you then you have a lack of range. And so, one of the biggest attributes of a leader or someone that's self-aware is they they have more behavioral flexibility. And so while it's powerful to be loud all the time, then, then really, uh, your, your behavioral flexibility is lacking to go intimate. And when you can add that intimacy and on top of being loud, um, when you have both choices are available, you then become more quote charismatic according to the distinction of charismatic. So, right. so I think any, any good speaker or anyone that shares a message, they can really benefit from uh, from continuing to study, like I'm always studying, and I, every time I I get off a stage, I go, "How could I have done that better?" And what I've learned in myself is is to have more behavioral flexibility, and and that seems to create more engagement, and and willing to also be, for example, 
if someone's always loud, they're not truly loud because they can't be soft. Right. That's true. And so if, you, if you're only soft and meek all the time, then you can't be loud. Mm. You've never truly been loud. Yeah. So what I like to do with my clients and my CEO clients is develop more self-awareness within themselves and look at where they resist. And if they resist being loud, then usually uh, then they've never really been soft in the first place. Yeah. Well, as the great Bruce Lee, the great late Bruce Lee said, you must be shapeless, formless, like water. <laughs> when you pour water He's in awesome. a cup. Yeah, when you, you know, pour, I love his video. Yeah, it's like basically saying when you pour I water in a cup, it, it becomes the cup. Like, you're so right about that. I love that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just such a legend. I, I, yeah, massive respect to Bruce Lee. Uh, the, so we're getting ready to wrap up here soon. But um, before we, uh, we, we get to those last closing questions, um, just want to do a little recap. So we've talked about what leadership is and why you personally think it's something that's important. You talked about how regardless of what the world says, there is something that we have to figure out internally before we can actually give ourselves um, to others. And then you, you shared some tips on basically once you've developed your self-awareness and you've created your message and realized what it is you meant to do, how to finally get a stage and present that. And you shared some of your tips doing that. And now I'm curious about the personal side of your of your life because you're in Australia now, right? Yeah, I'm in Australia. I love it here. I'm one of my... I, I came here for some speaking gigs and fell in love with the place. So where are you from it's originally? An incredible place. People from originally from Hawaii. Oh. So I was born in Hawaii and then moved to Silicon Valley. When my dad's company was my dad's company was purchased when we were in Hawaii when we were young, and then part of that requirement was for us to move from the islands to Silicon Valley, and that's and then that. So I I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. But part of the requirements of an entrepreneurial family was to actually move where there was opportunity. Mm, mm. In Australia, since you've moved, how long have you been in Australia? For years, uh, and and I enjoy it here. You know, there's there's the people here are incredible. The opportunities are incredible. Uh, the beaches are incredible. I, I do love to surf, so I live on the beach, and it's important. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, what's the point of achieving all this stuff if you can't enjoy it? Yeah, no, I, the reason I'm asking all these questions is because a lot of the audience, they identify with several cultures and a lot of them, you know, they grew up in multiple backgrounds. So I'm very curious as to what you've learned since you've moved to Australia. What were some of the cultural nuances you picked up on and how you um, basically, you know, embraced your identity, your global identity doing that? It's a good question. I've never been asked that. I think what I've learned from being here is, is, Number one, how to enjoy my life. I mean, these people have lifestyle down. They really enjoy the beaches and the, uh, quite a bit, and they enjoy being outside, and they enjoy their connection to nature. And that was something I was not embracing when I was in Silicon Valley, which was go, 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 go all the time. And here, because they embrace nature a lot, I'm. it's definitely supporting me in embracing my own nature. Connect that is that, And my own nature is connected to nature. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, as far as uh, next steps, what do you envision Jeff Slater doing in terms of impact in the world? What are the next things that you're working on? Um, a few projects, but I think there's a – really, I'm going to keep talking about self-awareness and leadership to the high-performing entrepreneurs. And you know, I leave to the jungles of Peru with a bunch of entrepreneurs in three weeks to go bridge worlds between some of the people in – in the Shipibo people of the jungle with entrepreneurs and take the highest, some of the most reputable, uh, they will never call themselves the best, 
because they have no website, but take the most skilled medicine men and medicine women in the world and put them in combination with high-performing entrepreneurs. And it tends to expand their businesses and their lives quite a bit, and they get a, a they move past the cultural programming. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to continuing doing that. I have a book coming out called The Evolutionary Entrepreneur, which is about bridging ancient wisdom and how ancient wisdom is affecting billionaires and industry icons in today's, you know, to leave a legacy. That book will come out soon in about a week, and I'm looking forward to bringing that out. And then as well, I'll continue on this self-discovery path and sitting. And one of the projects I don't talk about very much is is uh, is we are ready for a new way of living, all of us. And uh, right now we don't take care. We are not taking care of our elders in these retirement communities. I mean, it's disgusting when when there's the there's opportunities out there right now to look at, to build, um, you know, retirement homes that are not actually retirement homes. They're places where the elders are honored and and where they have clean food, clean water, and good conversations. And there and there's a community around them. And I feel that there needs to be a major upgrade in the way we treat our elders. And and so one of the projects I'll be working on is something like that. Absolutely. You're going to have to let me know when the, um, the book, because the podcast is going to be out by the time your book is out. So you're going to have to share the link with us so so that we can get people to, to get that sure. book. That sounds really interesting, uh, you know, combining old yeah. and new. So for sure, it, look, I, Jeff, it's, it's always a pleasure connecting with people like yourself who are as self-aware and introspective as you are because, you know, me and the listeners appreciate people like yourself who who've had experiences with some people and were given back the way you do because like you i believe that there is an internal amount of potential that doesn't get to be materialized every day uh as humans and and it's one of um, the most unfortunate things because if we combined and really tapped into our inner greatness i think we could solve a lot of the world's problems today so you know, you being a reminder of that was uh, was was a great way to spend a Sunday evening here, and hopefully a Monday morning for you. But uh, um, I really want to thank you for that. Um, the mission statement of this podcast is use your difference to make a difference. It is the basis of everything that I do. It's the reason why this podcast and every other platform I I have is is, is being formed. So I'm very curious how you, awesome. Jeff, use your difference to make a difference. Um, there's a there. I've called myself now an entrepreneur, and that's where I'm willing to put my own self-growth and my own um, growing of myself and my own awareness of myself in front of as a priority over all things, over business, over everything. Because I once met a man who loved themselves so much, and I mean, like, love themselves. Like, it's okay to love ourselves as human beings, because when we love ourselves, we love the world. And if you want to see a more beautiful world, you have to see ourselves as beautiful. And I don't mean like pre-looking. I mean like all the parts of ourselves. And I once loved, met a man who, who loved themselves so much, it gave me this permission unconsciously to do the same thing. And as I began to love myself more and more and increase that, I began to have more gratitude for every single moment and gratitude for people like you on the call who share a platform to bring messages out there like this, gratitude for the listeners for being the type of people who are willing to do the inner work because because I, I can't tell you how many you know people with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars where they end up there and they have no empathy or and their hearts are shut down and so they end up going full circle to having to crack their hearts open again 
to to realize why they started in the first place and to make a difference. So if I so my difference is is that I'm willing to to dive into the parts of myself that I'm afraid to dive into and do the inner work so that I can inspire others to do the same. Jeff's difference is inspiring others to tap into what it is, you know, do do that inner work that people don't normally do. And you do that by uh, by virtue of your platforms, your speaking engagements and you work in a consultant and now your, your book. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show, because um, I think that bravery to tap into and admit that, you know, there's so much that we have to learn about ourselves is one of the um, the uh, the lessons that we don't learn about in school. Or, you know, from our friends a lot. So thank yeah. you for, for coming on the show and doing that. And we'll be sure to spread the message. But ladies and gentlemen, till next week, use your difference to make a difference. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.